Welcome to the Main Deck Podcast. If you like games like Magic the Gathering, Yu-Gi-Oh!, Pokemon, Dragon Ball Super, Digimon, Flesh and Blood, and many, many more, you're in the right place. For all of our TCG news and content and links to all of our socials, visit www.maindeck.games. Now, on to the show. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Main Deck Podcast. This is the podcast for and by trading card game nerds uh, like myself. I'm Dan Green, your host, and I'm joined by my co-host today, Mitch Janowick. How's it going, guys? We haven't had Mitch. Mitch, we haven't had you on in a little bit, actually. Um, when was well, the last? A while for a podcast, yeah. When was the last time we did? Was it the? Was it one of the end of the year ones? I think that like went over like the sealed things. I think didn't we? Oh, did I have you on for sealed deck something? Yeah, I might. We might have done that. <laughs> it's been a few episodes. Yeah, it's been a little while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we got you know we got a lot of little co-hosts we rotate through here, and sometimes I bring on guests, and so it just it takes a little bit. But I'm always happy to have you on for another episode, Mitch, because you are um, you are. I think I say this every time. You're one of the best card game players I know. You're very insightful. And, and too kind with that. And no, no, I think I'm appropriately kind. Um, today we're going to be talking about, once we get to the main topic, we're going to talk about Tales of Middle-Earth, which is the Lord of the Rings expansion for Magic the Gathering, um, which just released. Now, Magic the Gathering is always something that we, we sort of cover on the fringe at main deck. We, you know, we, we focus a lot on alternative card games, but, um, look, just about everyone has, who plays card games has played Magic at some point. Um, we still all kind of play it here and there casually commander or like arena stuff right it's hard to not focus on like the card game right right um and like i i like to play arena on the side i'm, I'm playing arena every 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 few days i pop in probably play a little bit um i like to do it while i'm working out i, I bike and i play arena that's how i get myself Ooh, to do it by the way that's a good way to do it that's see that's the thing so I... <laughs> if if i sat there and tried to just bike really hard i would just find an excuse to not do it but if I say I get to play arena for a half an hour or whatever, I will I will bike for an hour and just play arena. <laughs> That's why I I did this. I also work it out like ah, eh, I'll make an excuse to not go, so I go to this ninja gym. So it's like a fun obstacle course. Sure. So it's fun to work out, but then you hurt your hands. Wow. And yeah. it's it's not great. That looks like an atrocious wound. If you're listening to the audio only, you're lucky actually. <laughs> you don't get to see that. <laughs> It makes card games really hard to play at the moment. Let me tell you. Yeah, let me. Okay, well, we're, we're in the banter section here, so let me jump into. Um, I, I'm going to share my story about that too. Uh, I think it was Gen Con, one of my first ones. Gen Con, I think it was my first one actually. Gen Con 2010, I believe, was the first time I went there. Um, I was playing Magic: The Gathering, so this is very related. Um, at the time, and uh, this was for for all of the old Magic: The Gathering players. I guess you're old at this point now, if if you know this reference. So this was during the Heyday of Jund, uh, meaning the Shards of Alara Zendikar standard format. Good old Blightning. Oh, my, my favorite deck of all time. Um, just, you know, the only time just playing random stuff off the top of your deck was like competitively viable. <laughs> um, and uh, and I, yeah, it was a great time. I was playing Jund. I had uh, actually performed very well. I took... Um, well, now I'm, I'm already forgetting. I'm in the top four. I, I can't. I might have been second place or something at a an event near nearby us called at the time they had this like Midwest Masters circuit, and so I went to this qualifier 
uh, played in this event, um, ended up uh, getting into the top eight, which gave you an invite to the Midwest Masters Invitational event that they were holding at Gen Con that year. Um, so that was my excuse to go to Gen Con for the first time. And uh, the night before we left, I was... Um, oh man, this is going to sound really weird now. I was cl- oh, no. I was cleaning my Alaskan Ulu. Uh, <laughs> what's an okay? What's an Ulu? <laughs> it's I, a it's a it's a knife type thing, but it's like um, how do I describe this? Like it's like a crescent moon shape kind of thing. So um, it there's okay. Yes, why Dan? Why do you have that? I understand. <laughs> okay. um, hey, I have I have swords. I get it. Sometimes it's fun to have cool stuff. Well, this is not this is a kitchen utensil. Um, it, oh, it is not okay. just a, yeah, it's not just like a prop thing. Um, it is a very sharp, um, kitchen utensil that I have used ever since I got it. Like, I think my parents went to Alaska and they brought it home. They're like, here's an Ulu. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, it is the best pizza cutter I've ever owned in my life. Uh, oh, you just, you that just makes sense with the crescent. Yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 So that is our pizza cutter. I've used, we've used that as my pizza cutter for, uh, like what, 14 years or something, I think maybe, um, it's still super sharp. That looks really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's great. It's awesome. Um, it's so sharp that I was cleaning it and I just did a really, I did a dumb and I like cleaned the wrong way on the thing and I sliced a cut in my hand. It only happens once, but yeah, it hasn't happened since then. I assure you. Um, and that was the night before I had to leave for a major card tournament that involved shuffling my deck a lot, shuffling a lot of cards, playing random cascading into stuff and shuffling cards and putting them out. Yeah. So, um, it was pain and misery trying to shuffle I, I, I could imagine. the oh. deck that weekend. Well, I had to imagine, but yeah, it was, um, yeah. So I, I share your pain, Mitch <laughs> hand injuries are no fun in the card game space. Um, okay. So before we jump into talking, because with Lord of the Rings, so Lord of the Rings, um, just to preface, this is a recently released set. The first time in the universes beyond, um, series that they're doing in magic now, where they've done an entire booster set focused on a completely different property. Um, we're going to have a ton of stuff to talk about with that from the one ring to the one ring. There's two different one ring topics, actually. Um, surprisingly, very topics. Yes. Yeah. Um, to commander, to sealed deck. We, we got lots of experience to talk about there. It'll be kind of a fun chat, but before then, as usual, let's banter a little bit, Mitch, about the other card games, non magic, the gathering that we've been playing lately, because we certainly play a lot of them. Mitch, what have you been, what's, what's, what's gotten your focus lately? Oh, uh, it's right now it's really split between grand archive and, uh, universes. Okay. Yeah, yesterday we had the, um, locally, we, you and I were at the same event, we had the pre-release for uh, Undaunted Raid, which is the fifth set of My Hero Academia, which is covering season four. Um, yeah. Although we haven't Raid. seen any of the, like, school festival stuff. It's only, like, the first half of season four, it seems like, right? Yeah. So They haven't got anything past that that part of season four yet. Um, so, Mitch, uh, how, how'd the pre-release go for you? It was fun. I enjoyed myself most of the time. <laughs> it's just in any card game, there's always bad variants. It just it happens. That's the, the point of card games. Mm-hmm. Um, I just had a lot of really bad variants that day. It was not it was not great. I can attest to that because I was your round one opponent. 
Um, <laughs> did not get better from there. No, it didn't seem like it did. Um, it went just fine for me from there. Um, you ended up winning, didn't you? Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I, I took it 3-0. Um, I was playing uh, Deku 4, which I I felt like was... I think between that and Najire, or who we decided were like kind of the two, if you get them, you probably play them. I, I think Night Eye would be the best. Really? Yeah. Because just because. Um, so Night Eye gets to play the game a little different. He gets to play the control game. Like he will mill you out eventually. It's just how he works. Yeah. And I think in a sealed format where your cards aren't as synergistic or as powerful, you don't have as much draw. Just you know, like, I, I'm just going to play one attack a turn and then I'll let you go. And against Midori, that's really strong because he's drawing tons of extra cards. So he's accelerating them a whole mill plan by himself. Yeah, Night Eye probably would have done well against me. I have to push back just a little and say that you're totally right. I'm not going to argue with any of that. But in this format in particular, I noted that in my card pool with my with Midoriya, um, I had like, I think, 13 or 14 attacks that had his keywords on them. And everyone seemed to have a ton of Fury and Punch. They're just, they just were really common keywords in this set, I think. Yeah, like the fact he gets Fury and Punch is really good. And I and I feel like it's it's not hard to get a synergistic package going in sealed with Midoriya because of just how how much everything just fits you know every almost every attack my deck my deck was I believe thirteen Fury and Punch attacks and three throws, um, and you just play the throws anyway because they're guaranteed damage, and and the and some of these are actually really good. I had this um this Bubble Girl rare. That was like a, yeah. it, was, it was a six was diff, uh, six damage, three low throw that uh, foundations were plus three block mod to, to block, which is like, so that you, ha- you kind of have to block oh, with yeah. an attack because that's crazy. Um, it's going to deal damage unless they have that one foundation that yeah, makes it deal right. no damage. But then that costs extra to block with, right? Yep. So. Uh, it's, it's a real shit show, let me tell you. And when it deals damage, then all their block mods get plus one for the rest of the turn. So, like, leading leading a string with that, um, even though I checked threes, like, I think two-thirds of the time I threw the attack, I checked a three <laughs> um, and still had to pay in. But, like, even then, just leading leading the string with that was, like, I mean, it was it was just disgusting. Um, it did a lot of damage. Um, yeah, so I just felt like with Midori, you just had so many cards. You have all your attacks just do in- insane damage. You just pump crazy damage to them. Um, and there were a number of attacks in the just like in the set that had draw card tacked on. Or um, I really like that one foundation that's when this when your attack deals no damage, you flip it and draw a card. Um, I think that was that was it, right? I'm, I'm mixing um, it up. There's there's the self doubt one that if it's dealt no damage, you have a plus one to your next check. Yeah, there's another one. There's a there's a draw a card one too. Yeah, um, there's one where if your opponent blocks with a non-attack card, you flip a draw card. Oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking. Okay, I make I combine those two. Whatever. Either way, um, those were really awesome. Uh, that was really oh, awesome yeah. just to just to keep cards flowing. Uh, when that's the number one thing I want to do is just throw a million attacks. <laughs> Midori just wants cards in hand to pitch for powerful. Yep. And attacks. Yep. So um, yeah, I, I mean, I I played against. Uh, you playing Fat Gum, and then I played against uh, two Najires, 
And um, the Najire seemed really good, but, uh, and, you know, there's certainly some luck on my side and some checks and stuff, but, like, it did feel like, in the end, like, I felt really controlled for a while. Like, I just, like, there were turns where I just couldn't really get in. Um, but because of how many cards I was able to just keep in hand, I was able to just kind of push attacks in, and then they'd attack back, and I would have the blocks. Um, and yeah. in both in both matches, um, eventually, in each of those games, eventually the Najire kind of dove in a little and just couldn't handle the pushback um when they were already had 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 a few things committed already and i just had i I built up the right hand of attacks because you draw so many that you get to kind of sculpt a hand so many cards oh my god have you been looking at the set for constructed at all mitch uh yeah yeah we're actually after this video is done i'm going over to cole's house and we're me cole will and corgan are going to be playing some stuff and testing out oh man the whole local crew crew getting together without me I gotta be, I, it's, which I, I have to be, I'm editing. You guys knew this. I told you this already. So yeah, yeah. Um, I am, I'm hard at work editing a video. I can't talk about, uh, quite yet. I think, I think actually this podcast will re- release before the video releases. So I can't say anything about it. I'm yet. I'm excited but. to see it. But yeah. It's be, be fun. Yeah. This have been, been, uh, it, it's taking a lot of work. So I'm, I am just absolutely grinding all day today. This is like my one break other than eating is to do this podcast Fair. <laughs> uh, so, a, a lot of cards in this new set just look like a lot of fun the characters there's gonna be a few misses again they made 18 characters so they can't all be winners but. and like 18 characters and like i swear 14 or 13 of them or something are all just random yakuza members they want to get the whole crew, you know. They the gangs are all here. You know what? It's you know what's so funny. Like, okay, so I get I get this because this is their only opportunity to make these characters, right? Yeah, but not a, yeah. it just strikes me as funny that we have like the entire like the whole of Japan's yakuza, just a hundred percent of them, and not a single character from Class B has been made. They made a few. Who have they made from Class B? Monoma, um, Ibarra. Oh no, you're right. You're right. Okay, we we you're you're right. You're right. There are a couple of them. The ones who the ones who tetsu, did tetsu 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 Ibarra Monoma. I keep I just keep thinking of like Kendo. I keep thinking of like the mushroom well, yeah, girl yeah, like, and like, like the where's Kendo? pitch black. We have her attack. Yeah, it's it's weird that Kendo has an attack. No, you're right. The, the in set two there were during the um during the tournament arc thing yeah, there were a few one. class B characters that did something and they actually made characters for them. Um. Yeah. So, so, well, it's, it's just, it's just funny to me. I think still that there's, there's just so many, I I don't know any of these characters names whatsoever. No, uh, like I didn't know a lot of their names until this. I like, I knew about them, what they did cause I watched the show, but the names escaped me. They didn't matter. Yeah. They were there for maybe an episode or half of one. They were there for one of those, just like the freeze frame where they show the character and say what the quirk is. And then you'd like never hear the name again, and the character like dies or, or is, is uh, taken to jail or whatever. Yeah, there was like a few that were really fun and cool, but otherwise, yeah, all most of them were forgettable. Um, but we do have a new Kirishima. We have uh, some new pro heroes, Fat Gum and um, and Night Eye, Sir Night Eye. Very very exciting stuff. Uh, no All Might. This set is this is the first set with no All Might. It has to be right. There's what eight of them now. Seven of them? They yes, the seven all seven All Mights. So I think this is the first set. There's that... either one in every set or is a promo during the set. Right. Set two, I can't remember if that had 
one during it or not, but yeah, doesn't, I mean, there were, there were surrounding it plenty of them. So, um, I'm going to get, he was the face of the show for a while. So that's fair. Yep. Yep. And now we get the, the new Deku four who you'd like, as I said, I played in the pre-release and I, I think that Deku is very strong. Uh, Yeah. For the old school UFS players, it's it's uh, effectively a very slightly nerfed version of Jackie Briggs, um, and uh, she. I had a I had an experience when we went to Worlds in 2021. I played again. I was I was I was a still a fairly new UFS player, but I was like excited to play something weird. So the DLC had just come out for um, uh, whatever that was called, Grim Fairy Tales. That one, the Zenoscope comic series. Um, I played Sky Mathers, who's like a weird reversal based character, um, and uh, had a lot of fun. My my deck was really fun to play. It wasn't very good, but it was really fun to play. Um, but one round late into the event, I went up against Jackie Briggs, um, and I just I'd never seen this card before in my life. Um, so uh, to diff- the difference between Jackie Briggs and Deku, by the way. So Jackie Briggs is also a five hander, but it's thirty three health instead of thirty. Mm-hmm. Um, they both have at the start of your opponent's combat phase, you get to draw three cards and discard down your printed hand size. So it means you can go all out on your turn and then still have at least three cards remaining in your hand. Uh, or you can just pass and filter into whatever cards you want to. Um, and has enhance. So she has enhance. Your non-throw tech attack gains powerful six. You may discard one card from your hand in addition to momentum to pay for this attack's powerful ability. Deku is your non-throw fury or punch gets powerful four um, and then has the discard clause. So, so it's like, okay, is here's a big, here's a question, Mitch. Is this nerfed or not? <laughs> no, I think this is, this is stronger. It's <laughs> not nerfed. It, um, the health is a little lower, but you have two keywords that are by far the most prominent keywords in the My Hero set. That's the thing about Jackie is that tech is, has, I think like never been a, a popular keyword no. in UFS. So whatever this, the relative strength of her attacks was limited, right? Um, to whatever could fit that keyword. Whereas Fury and Punch are, have since set one of my hero with the Bakugo and Deku starter decks have been on just like every card, <laughs> basically. The, um, the only problem I think with Midori is outside of Void, there's not a lot of, Fury package in the good or life. But again, just random things will have Fury on there. It's just cuz. Well, but on the plus side, punch is a hell of yeah, a punch, keyword in my hero. Punch is the keyword in my hero, which again, it makes sense. It's fair. You got everybody's a bunch of people. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I am, I'm pretty stoked after playing. I really wanted to, I was excited to play Deku, not just cause I thought he was strong in pre-release, but I just, I love this character design even though I think it's probably too powerful. <laughs> um, yeah, their track record for reskinning cards from the old game hasn't been over so well. No, it's always... It turns out they're always still really good. <laughs> turns out they're... Yeah. Like, they, they just banned the Bone Nature, which was a, a direct reprint. Yep. It was a, it was a reprint... Think... It was a reprint from a set in in ufs that i think was largely considered to be a fairly underpowered set the the, the yeah. mega man set was um because i think like back then it wasn't even really played as much was it it was like maybe one or two of them in some decks yeah it, like, it wasn't 
Yeah, so I mean, I get where they thought, oh, it's probably fine to throw this in the game. It's not fine. Turns out it was a bannable four of in every symbol that can play it in my hero. It was not fine. Yeah, it was not fine. Oh. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited, so what though. what character are you most excited for? I'm excited, I think, for... I can't decide. I like, I like Deku a ton. I like Mirio a ton. Um, I like Overhaul a ton. I also feel like Overhaul is extremely strong. <laughs> God. All right. So we have overhaul tier. It's like, it's fine. Everybody thinks overhaul is going to be great. Yeah. It's hard. Like there's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's going to be a problem because they also made the rule change now where you can play action forms from not your hand anymore. Huh? Wait, I didn't hear about this. What's going on? Oh, um, so they recently released a new rules document. Okay. Clarifying some stuff and they made the clarification now where you can play an action card, not from your hand, as if it has a form. Okay, so if it's or an action that has form listed on it, you... Yeah, or if, uh, it might also have it where, if, like, if it's during the designated window, you could play it. So if it's during the enhanced step and you have the ability to play it from not your hand, you could be able to. I don't remember the exact wording. But the idea here is you get to form, play, season the advantage from your stage again. Okay. You need to. So just to clarify, the the basically the ruling is just saying if something allows you to play a card uh as a form from anywhere but your hand, from a place other than your hand, you previously if weren't able to do it play an event that way because of some weird No, nope. actions are only from your hand. Or sorry, a- a- actions, sorry. So many card games. Actions. Um <laughs> uh you weren't play, able to play an action because there was some quirk in the ruling that said that a pun wasn't intended there um that you action forms had to be played from your hand more or less right but now they've said that if something allows you to play an action form at the correct timing the form timing outside of uh from from somewhere other than your hand you can do that yes okay okay i just had i wanted to make sure i was getting that straight too because that's a one one thing that it's a little weird but ufs or you universes uh definitely is it's a it's a big and complicated game with lots of ideas so sometimes the rulings are not 100 percent clear on things i really want no, to. Mention. i think it's like one of the hardest card games to get into if you're just starting out i totally agree with that which is which is so so unfortunate for having my hero license which is a very inviting sort of franchise you know it's like one thing if this is like eve online themed right where it's like anyone who gets into eve online knows that they're getting into something extremely complicated it's just an example of something i don't but like i mean a great example but yeah yeah um and so it'd be what like for that it'd be like i would expect the eve online card game which actually i think there was at one point now that i'm thinking about it but i would expect that to also be uh extremely non-inviting right but it's like it's like uh if you're into this thing then you can get into this thing <laughs> you know um so it's it is i think it's kind of unfortunate that my hero is is um it's a it's a very very enjoyable game to play a little unbalanced sometimes that, and I do, I do, you know, Mitch, that I do talk about that from time to time. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that's part and parcel with it just being so sort of so many moving parts, so many moving pieces, uh, to make it function. Um, and my hero is just sort of the opposite theme entirely. It's, it's very, very much just like basic shonen. I love my hero, by the way. I'm not I'm not dogging on it or anything, but it's just a very easy to watch, easy to get into shonen anime. Yeah, yeah. But I think the one I'm most excited for, besides overhaul, um, is Rappa. Rappa, the, Rappa. the punchy guy? Do I yeah, have, I the not good punchy there. guy. 
Yeah, here here we go. This this guy, right? Yeah, that's the one. Okay. He's uh he's destroyed foundation after you make a check to play or block with an attack, the check gets plus two. Okay, right, 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 right. Okay. Um, so he's going to be modding his checks, destroying his board just to make some crazy checks on things. Uh, yeah. re- any, any character with resource management we know is good. That's yep. Like he doesn't have damage on his face, but punches usually supply damage. Once per turn, discard one card after your non-throw punch attack deals damage. You may play it from your card pool as your next form. So he can Texas smash and then Texas smash again. Does Texas Smash have order on it? Oh, it's not. It's not in his. Any. Sorry, no, it's not. In, I don't think it's yeah, in his. They, uh, they they made a good design with that. There's I was like, no sharing symbols of Smash. Because oh my god, Texas Smash would be like crazy in this thing. <laughs> yeah, he also doesn't share a symbol with a Valiant Assault either. That does Valiant Assault doesn't have order. Oh, but it has good all in air. Oh, okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. All so right. Shares symbols with Mirio. Right. 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 Well, yes, it does. <laughs> um. But no, I'm excited to uh, play Focus Attack or Focus Assault. Oh, you you're always trying to focus. Um, yeah, the the funny punch, right? Yeah, the funny punch. That's the card that you you try to play. I think more than any other card. Um, <laughs> it's just so much damage on one card is great. Yeah, and and oh, I see. So you can focus attack, and then he can focus attack again. Um, yes, that's the game plan. So and he gets to mod his checks on it, so he can the 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 two yes. combos beforehand don't really matter as much. So for him, the idea is you really want to get what, three in before you play it, so you can play on your fourth attack. Okay. Because usually by your fourth attack, they've either blocked or they're committed out. Right. Um, and then you get to throw it. It's on an eight, but it's on a six you plus to your check. And the ones you commit, you can still blow up. So you can commit them for checks and then blow them up to help pass other checks. Wow, okay. So he gets to really cheat his card pool system like that. If you if you don't kill him that turn, you're probably gonna die because you don't have any resources anymore. But and he has, uh, I remember some of his stuff from the pre-release. He's got some stuff that triggers on being destroyed as well. Some like foundations that trigger on being destroyed. Is any of that is any of that stuff yeah. good in there? Um, so it's it's not bad. Um, so what I'm playing a lot of in the order symbol is we're playing cards like a lot of Deku's kit from the starter deck way back before. So we're like future charge to draw cards. Delaware Smash is a flash punch. But it's like, all right, catch. Yeah. He has Haymaker, which is also a flash punch, which is one of his cards. So like we have like eight flash punches. Like, all right, we go flash, flash, flash. Yeah, because he's all responses, so it's not like you're missing out yeah. on anything. And then your opponent just can't use their tools. They just have to either take they it to, to their raw, face. Either raw, take it to the face or raw block it. Yep, I'm happy either way. Yeah, and that's man, that's pretty. That's pretty cool. That's actually pretty. That's kind of spicy, Mitch. That's kind of spicy. I like that. I like that. That seems good. Ah, it seems fun. I'm not sure if you could cook it yet, because again, all my attacks are mids, so well, very blockable. Yeah, very blockable. But I mean, when they have to commit out, the thing is, once you get to focused attack, you're you're throwing two attacks for, uh, for twelve damage each, right? Uh, if it's the fourth attack, it's fifteen each. Fifteen, okay. It counts every mid in the card pool. That's right. The fourth attack, he said. So yes. Uh, so, I mean, it doesn't really matter that they can block all the other ones because they're just no, gonna die to that. That's the game. <laughs> Once they learn, though. Right. Right. Yeah, that's the problem. But I guess you just focus attack enough times, you get there. You can focus yeah, if yeah, you have. It's just if you have two focus attacks in your hand, you can focus attack on the third and the fourth and the fifth. 
Yes, that's <laughs> that's great. That's that's the that's the goal right there. But yeah, so the end stream is like you're gonna play focus tech on a six and on a six pretty much because you have the plus two, and they're both be for fifteen damage. That's kind of disgusting. <laughs> and then we play cards like in control to give it speed, or note taking to give it speed, or leave to make your check minus two. So once I get to my actual enhances outside of my flesh text, I can make this focus attack almost unblockable. Wow. That's the game plan, at least. Yep. Yep. I like it. I like it. Uh, yeah, that's there's there's I think Undaunted Raid um, is a very cool set. It has a lot of very interesting things. I think I think people are going to be quite excited just to like to be able to play with the big three um, ever since those characters were introduced. Uh, they became like immediate fan favorites. They're really just like, they're really good design characters. They're, they're just yeah. really, everyone loves them. It's hard not to. Um, it's hard not to love the million. God. Yes. Great characters. Oh, I, oh man. Like, yeah, it's, I, even if you, if you did not love him up to the climax of that, of the, the, the rating, the, the hideout arc, um, in that climax, you, I think, I think you don't have a soul if you didn't. No, if you didn't chance. adore Lemillion after at the conclusion of everything, it was yeah, it was um, it, yeah, it does it, it makes me tingly. It brings up it brings up goosebumps. It brings up feelings. Um, I really, I really enjoy the the anime itself. Uh, I can't wait for the next season. Um, Same. Oh, it's be so good. Uh, let's talk a little bit, I think just, just touch on a couple other games before we head into Lord of the Rings. Um, I have been playing, uh, a lot of games. I've been, you and I have both been playing a lot of Grand Archive. Um, a lot of Grand Archive, yeah. And if you guys are regulars on the channel, you're not surprised <laughs> because, uh, we, we try to put that out. game is great. Go. Yes. We try to put out a Grand Archive video every week and I, I've been playing, we've, we've got le- weekly locals rolling. Um, recently I've been playing Mana Weaver Rye. I did the profile on that. Um, I love that deck. I think it is very, very good. Um, it is, you have a lot of game against everyone. You're able to kind of play the game all the time. Um, and you are able to play around a lot of the tech that will try to beat Rye. Um, you don't win every game, of course, you know, so especially if you go up against other Ryes, uh, wind Rye is I think Wind Rye is the Rye that beats other Rye's typically because it's the Rye that also plays the tech, <laughs> you know, that can beat the other Rye's. Um, yeah. So I do have trouble with our lo- with main deck, main deck Mike's Wind Rye deck. Um, but otherwise, I love playing against Lorraine's. I love playing against Xander's. I'll bring them on. I love playing against Sylvie's. Um, Sylvie, if Sylvie, Sylvie is not a great deck, unfortunately, but with the right... Um, aggro rush if like the exact right cards line up uh i get crushed <laughs> i found out um that's rise weakness and mitch yeah. uh you've been playing merlin aggro's yeah um i've been playing a lot of um fire merlin at the moment and i'm and we're waiting we're, we're gonna have a deck profile on that very soon i think right mitch yeah i was doing it last night but we got caught up in uh, my hero i totally spaced on it okay well, but yeah, um, hopefully the deck's soon. really sweet. It uh, it goes off the combo of Erupting Rhapsody and Fireball. Yep. The idea is you're doing like 30 damage to two cards. That's the whole point of the deck. Yep. And that... Merlin helps you just accelerate that game plan. It's a standard mage game plan, uh, but the Merlin is kind of an interesting tech because you don't have to get to level three to do anything. 
Um, and I believe the way you phrased it to me, and I, th- I think this is the best way to say it, your goal is to get to nine cards in hand and then win the game, right? Yes. The combo needs nine cards in hand. Um, you, there's a card in your material deck that helps make it cheaper. It's the, um, I think it's a one one cost to materialize it. Your next card costs two less to play. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. You're playing Channeling like Stone. Help. I like it. Yeah. He'll bring it from nine to seven, so it can help lower your threshold. I like, or I think. It makes you be able to do two fireballs for nine instead of only one fireball. Channeling Stone is a is not an incredible card, but it is an underrated card, in my opinion. Agreed. The reason why I like Merlin over just staying to level one or going to level two Rye is Merlin gets to help slow the game down because you get to take out their flame memory, which decelerates their level usually. Yep. And the longer the game goes on, the happier I am usually. That, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Again, I, I, I'm curious what, what your, have, have you played a lot of matches against other mage decks and what's the, what's the game like if so? Yeah. Um, so usually I can get to the point where I can kill them faster than they can kill me. Um, there's times where I would go to like a little more cards in hand just to play around their spell barriers. It's like, usually if they're going to kill me, it's going to kill me one turn. And usually I got time. Right. So I'm not trying to quick rush out a kill. But if they have the barriers, that's why I have um, Spark of Light, the one that goes unpreventable damage. Ignite. Oh, Spark of Light. the barrier, and then I get to kill them. I like to just use Ignite the Soul for that, because uh, it's so cheap. It's so, also in there, but... Yes. But yeah, if, if you just let the let their thing resolve and then just deal one damage. I mean, like, yeah, for Spell Shield Arcane, they, they don't take the one damage. But I love when, when it's like a water deck, they play Water Barrier, and like, okay, so you will now reduce this one damage to one. Congratulations. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and other than Grand Archive, uh, I have been playing just a little bit of Battle Spirits Saga as well. Um, I am uh, we. It's taken a little bit to get our locals going for it, uh, but we now have a we have a little crew, um, which is pretty nice, and um, we're going to be just kind of jamming. I think we're just doing every other week for Battle Spirits right now. Um, uh, set two spoilers are set two is almost totally revealed at this point. Set two looks really good. Uh, it adds green to the game. Um, and I am ready to be a green main. I'm excited for it. Um, green seems <laughs> the best color. It, it seems really powerful in this one. It's got like a, it's, it's got a token rush strategy, which in battle spirits, if you haven't played it as um, it's a very, uh, swingable game. Um, I guess it's, you have to play very, you have to play very conservatively generally because the clapback on overextending is really easy and the clapback will just end the game, um, basically. Um, so, uh, it's overextending in some games is like, you know, oops, it's like turn six and I dropped too many creatures or something. Overextending in battle spirits is sometimes like on turn two, I attacked with everything and that was a mistake. Um, so, uh, You you need to you need to just play a lot more conservatively, only attacking when you're pretty sure. Like, okay, if they drop three more things, I, I'm I'm not gonna lose the game right now. I, I have enough blockers to block everything. Yeah, because that game everything has haste, right? Everything everything has haste, and I think I think that's one issue is that like uh, some people I think with you know without that IP to latch onto to make people go I, I'm gonna love this game, people have to just like try the game and see what they think and. And if they don't understand that you have to play conservatively, the game can go really long. It's not like a game where I say, oh, every game's over by turn two or three, which is like a lot of games. Um, a lot of games tend to get to that point. 
especially Bandai ones. Um, but uh, at least for now, <laughs> um, the games, uh, if players are playing correctly, can go super, super, super late because defense is can be very hard to break through. Um, and okay. playing defensively is what people need to do when they start playing the game. And if they don't do that, they'll just play the game and they go attack with my guys. And the opponent will go, okay, play my guys, attack with my guys. And then you go, okay, play my guys, attack with my guys, you lose. And, and like, <laughs> that's, um, yeah, just because you can attack doesn't mean you should, right? That seems like, yeah, that seems like not a fun game if that's how the game plays out. And yeah. and so it's it makes sense that people would bounce off the game when they play it that way. Um, but you need, to, you need to play a second game and go, okay, wait, wait, wait. Now, what happens if I don't attack? Mm, there we go. We're learning. And then you can build up nexuses and get all these cool effects going. Um, and it's not just a coin flip for whoever drew the most cheap things, right? Um, that said, I'm looking forward to green because I'm going to make a bunch of ant tokens and attack with everything. And you're going to lose the game. <laughs> That's my goal. <laughs> um, go my advice. I'm going to do the opposite. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, we'll see how it goes. I'm excited to get it in hand and, uh, and just start testing some things. Um, but they're like fully revealing the set and it releases in like a month. And I don't understand that Bandai strategy. Typically it's like, it's, it's still so far away and the sets like fully revealed. Um, yeah, that's, that's definitely a little, a little weird, but I would, I would, I, w- I would like a, like a two week leg, right? I think that's, that's the optimal is like finish revealing the set, like do most of the reveals in one chunk and then have like two weeks for me to place my pre-orders or whatever. Um, yeah. And then also like, you have like the week, the week after is the pre-release and week after that is the release. So yeah, like every week there's something going on. So you get the hype rain throughout the thing, the thing that I, this, this is like just kind of a personal thing. So I, I'm very busy. I do a lot of stuff. I don't necessarily have the time to also sit down and print out print and plays for a new set, um, to start testing decks. Uh, so a lot of games, I just wait for the release. Then I go, I buy the cards, crack them open. And I start building decks. Um, mm-hmm. but when a set has like a month in between, I am significantly behind on testing if I'm trying to be competitive at all. So like Gen Con is taking place a week after set two releases and set two is legal for Gen Con. So I am going to have to do all my testing like a week before it releases (laughs) to try and play in any of those events. Yep. Um, But yeah, it's like, it's, it's just kind of tough. That's just so that's just kind of where I come from when I say I really don't want such a big lag. Um, I would like to reduce that amount so that uh, one, people aren't as incentivized to start immediately testing things. There aren't as many people doing that. Um, so everyone can be on a little bit more of the same footing if there are people like me who just don't have time necessarily to sit down and do that. Um, and two, the people who do do that won't have like, oh, I've already played through the meta. It's a, And it's not even just a personal thing, actually, because the longer your wait between fully revealing a set and releasing a set means that for the players who are the most invested in the game, the ones who are doing that, they have already finished their metagame exploration. Like sometimes before the set launches, um, but not usually fully, but by about a month after the set launches. Right. And at that point, that means that this set has actually been new for uh, longer it's been or it's been available for longer than you than the company 
was making profits off of it, right? Um, and it means that then the players are going to start to feel more bored before the next set releases, mm-hmm. um, which is what we saw with set one of Battle Spirit Saga because it was a it was a very similar situation. Actually, I think it was even longer um, in between the full spoiling of the set and the and the release. Um, mm-hmm. And they had this like a month before the release. They had this pre-launch major tournament, and people are just like. They want the next set. And then it's, and it's, it's, it's a problem now. Cause then they're like, well, come on, reveal the next set. And now they're like, they're in a cycle. I think at this point, unfortunately, where they, they are going to upset people one way or another. Yeah. The only way that they, they can try to fix that is they just have a slow reveal season, which isn't the best, but it helps us give them something every once in a while to satiate them. Yep. That would that would be probably a, my recommendation as well. Um, I don't think they're going to do it, uh, but no. um, yeah, that's that's just how it is. I enjoy Battle Spirit Saga. Um, after playing a bunch locally, um, and playing a bunch of Grand Archive locally, and playing a bunch of My Hero locally, those have been like the three kind of main TCGs I've been playing at a competitive like like one v one competitive trying to win. Um, my opinion is that Grand Archive is my favorite one to play. Um, just just throwing it out there. I enjoy all of them, but out of those three, if you sat me down, gave me a deck with with a deck from each one, and I grabbed my decks, and you said, go ahead and pick the game we play, I would play Grand Archive right now. That's fair. That's fair. The game is really, really well done. Yeah, and, and um, I love how much the company is uh, being transparent about all their decisions and their paying attention to things. Mitch, how did you feel about the ruling change we did re- recently? I think, I mean, I think it was fair ruling. I like the change in terms of like, just trying to limit the power level of certain characters. Um, other people hated it, left the game because of it, which I a think is an overreaction. A small number. I think it's, I think it's, yeah. it's one of those vo- vocal minority situations. Yep. It's not, I, I really think it was, I've, as far as people who left the game, I've, I've seen like one that I can confirm happened, you know, um, there's maybe, there's probably a few more, there's, you know, probably, yeah, but that's totally fine. I'm okay with that. I think this change is healthy for the game going forward for design space. That's the big thing, right? It's like, like, it's easy to look at it, um, and go, wow, they're just going to alter the game rules to nerf this character, which actually, by the way, is like, that's kind of a smart way to do it because errata suck. Errata suck. It's so, it sucks to have errata on a it card. It sucks. In, in a living card game like this, it sucks. If it's digital, not a problem. You just change the text in digital format, easy peasy. But for a living physical card game, I hate erratas. Yep. Um, and just so, ban it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just ban the card. Just ban the card. Just ban it. Um, in, in this case though, this was a pretty smart thing to do because, you know, and I think, I think what some people look at it, some people look at it as just like they're nerfing Lorraine, which is certainly something they were doing. Um, but at the same time they are right now, they are developing, uh, they're, they're, they're in tweaking and developing for set three, set three introduces guardian and ranger. As far as we're aware, um, that was the last thing we heard of the plan, at least it's not confirmation, but that we think is guardian ranger and cleric will be in set three. Um, and guardian and ranger are both classes that attack like the warrior does from everything we know. Um, and so it makes sense when they're sitting down and they're doing tweaking and development to go, you know what, if we change this rule, it'll help with the Lorraine thing right now. 
and it'll make some other design stuff we're working on right now work better. So I I don't know. It's I don't see the issue at all um with doing that. I think it's I think it's smart. I think a month before a major event is plenty of time. Like I don't like I've cuz that's that's one of the things I've seen too um from from very vocal very vocal minority. Um and very minor. Minority, <laughs> yeah, I want to stress too. If a month away is too much, when? At what point is there going to be more than a month free time to make this kind of change? Yeah, exactly. So that, exactly what I, thank you. Exactly what I was going to say. And then, so what's the other option? Not, not address, not change anything in a game ever. Like I, the, okay. I don't, I'm not, I'm going to try not to go off right now. Um, but one thing I have to say about this is that from that, that was the exact complaint I heard, which is, which is, they literally saying they shouldn't if if the game mechanics they think are bad after they made them they should they should just stick with them anyway because the game's already doing well financially it's already selling okay God. and let let me just let me just i'm going to look at right at the camera let me directly say no that is the that is <laughs> that's wrong there is no other tcg in the history, in the entire history of the industry of trading card games that has ever, that, that has ever been a good idea for in any case ever, every single TCG has taken a look at their rules and at different points adjusted them. Yep. Every single one has done that at certain points. We were just talking about how my hero did it. We we're just talking about that literally just moments ago. Magic the Gathering, you could you could write a novel on the number of times oh they've God. changed the rules for things. Mana burn, damage on the stack, and, on and on about those. And, I mean, there are people who are very old school and say mana burn was integral to the game or whatever, but by and large, this was the correct decision to do every step of the way. Going all the way back to interrupts and instants, changing like the stack, all the kind of stuff they did back in Classic and in 6th edition. Um... I mean, and at any of, at all of those cases, there was a tournament soon, you know, like it within a, with like a month or more or, or less or whatever, like there were, <laughs> there was no case where they said, all right, guys, we are going to change the rules to the game, but to help you out, no tournaments for a year. Like what? Thank you. Thank Is that you. supposed Appreciate to be a no, good idea? No going to kill the game yeah so and and this ruling change is not even close to any of the magic ones we just talked about um no. it it's probably close to the my hero ones like you know like the the whole yeah. action thing it's probably similar it's like oh so now you can do this with overhaul like it's you gonna know. benefit certain people more than others or hurt people more than others it's very similar yeah um but it's yeah so i just have to say that i and and there are, so if if you're out there and you're like I really didn't like that change you know I, I didn't like what it did to the character I like playing that's fair enough I remember in Overwatch when Genji used to be able to to double jump and then dash and then jump again and I know a guy locally who quit playing as soon as they removed the extra jump after dashing from Genji and so it was like you know what he was a Genji uh a, a Genji one trick and he really liked that play style I get it Okay, like, so if you're just like, I really like the playstyle of attack, untap, attack, untap, attack kind of thing, and you are, and because you don't get to do that anymore, you're like, well, I'm not interested in playing the game. Totally fair. But 
if your perspective is that the game should literally have never changed anything as they're developing it to try and make it better, I think you just need to you need to rethink that position. It's not a very strong position. No, you need to reevaluate so many things. God, like yeah, that's that, a wild take. I have I haven't heard that one before. That is that is the that is the loud take I heard <laughs> from insane from from oh one one person in particular. But um, so anyway, uh, anyway, but sorry, I didn't mean to go into rant. Um, let's. Well, I love that. That was great. <laughs> That's that's supposed to be on like our unfiltered Patreon only episodes. By the way, uh, before we jump in, right before we jump into Lord of Things, I want to mention we've been posting bonus episodes on the Patreon. I think they've been really fun. Our last one was an un- unfiltered Lorcana discussion, um, and and I think it's a fun one to listen to where Mike and I kind of go at each other a little bit and um, and just talk a lot about our very very raw thoughts about Lorcana um, and the and the litigation and all sorts of stuff. So oh yeah, it was um, great. It's $2 a month uh, if you want to get access to all of our bonus stuff. And we're posting at least one bonus piece of content every month, plus uh, plus behind-the-scenes stuff and my studio update videos. So some fun stuff there you might want to check out. Um, all right, Mitch, let's talk about the grand event, the main event today, which is Tales of Middle-Earth, the first full booster expansion in Magic the Gathering's Universes Beyond line, where they are discussing... Uh, discussing, sorry, where they are releasing cards for... Things that aren't Magic the Gathering. So previously they did the Warhammer 40k uh, starter decks, which we pegged in our up in our podcast episode on that as the number one Magic release of the year, um, because that was yeah they are very cool. They were they tons of new cards. You could just buy the decks and have the cards. You didn't have to buy random things, and you could play 40k and it and the cards thematically were really well done. Um, Mitch, what do we think about Lord of the Rings: The Tales of Middle Earth? All right, we'll start with the thematics. I think they knocked out of the park with giving cards abilities that match with the theme of the card. I think A-plus job there, 10 out of 10. I agree, totally. I think the flavor of the set is incredible. I know, I know there's, a lot of, there's a lot of talk about the ring tempts you mechanic, which is, okay, so like my thoughts on the ring tempts you. <laughs> the ring itself is a complicated thing it's a complicated it's got complicated lore it's got an incredible history of you know where it came from what it does what it does positively what it does negatively who's had it what they've done with it what they're trying to do with it like to to take to try and take the ring and make it into you know uh, an elegant mechanic like kicker or something that that also fits in the entire lore of everything that's impossible that is in, no, an impossible task okay so there are two parts to the ring there's the ring tempts you and then there's which and and what the ring tempts you does is a mechanic that basically it tries to encapsulate the sort of the the journey of the ring bearer into a single mechanic okay so the ring tempts you is basically inviting one of your creatures to become the ring bearer and then giving them a, a task to perform which is to to in this case is to attack your opponent but it's that sort of it's sort of like going on your adventure right hey everyone future dan here 
Um, so I'm listening to the episode as we're doing the editing and just realized that I, in this section, I just sort of got lost and forgot to actually explain uh, mechanically what the, the ring tempts you mechanic does. I am certain we have listeners out there who have not looked at the Lord of the Rings set. And frankly, it's just sort of a confusing mechanic on first glance anyway. So it would probably help you a lot in this conversation if I actually did explain that. So here you go. Just going to give a quick explanation of mechanically how the ring tempts you works. So the ring tempts you is a line that appears on a whole bunch of cards in the Lord of the Rings set. It's basically an action line. It's telling you to do something as anytime it says the ring tempts you. What it's telling you to do is uh, a couple of things. The first thing you have to do is you there's a little emblem for the ring that will signify how many steps you've taken on this sort of journey uh, on this emblem. Every time the ring tempts you, you effectively add an ability to this emblem. It's like an emblem that gains abilities over time, okay? The first ability is that the creature uh, who is your ring bearer, which we'll explain in a second, cannot be blocked by creatures with greater power. The second ability that it gains, so the second time the ring tempts you, um, no matter whether or not you have a ring bearer in play or any, you know, it's, it's basically just counts anytime it happens. Um, and it just stacks for whenever you have a creature in play. Um, the second thing that happens is that uh, every time the the ring bearer, whoever currently has the ring, attacks, you get to draw a card and then discard a card. The third time that it happens, it gains the ability that says anytime the ring bearer is blocked, sacrifice the blocking creatures at end of combat. And the fourth time it happens, the ring bearer gains when this creature deals combat damage to a player, each opponent loses three life. Um... And then after the ring gains whatever ability it gets from however many times it's tempted you, then you select a creature you control to become the ring bearer. And the ring bearer, while they are the ring bearer, is legendary. Um, if that creature would die, the ring, you know, just kind of drops off. Um, if the creature would go under an opponent's control, it drops off. Um, and uh, if you need to make a new ring bearer, you need to have a new the ring tempts you effect occur in some way. So I hope that context just helps the following discussion make a little bit more sense to the people who do not understand, uh, haven't haven't played it, um, haven't played Lord of the Rings very much. I hope that helps. And and so it it encourages putting it on a small unit like a Hobbit because they are harder to block. It makes it so that. Um, as you are attacking, you as you're going on your adventure, you're experiencing things, I think, is where the, like, draw a card, discard a card um, thing comes from. I, I'm, you do have to reach a little bit here, I think. Um, it makes it so that when you're, you get into, into a, a brawl with something, something blocks you, then they have to be sacrificed in a combat. That one I don't fully have, a, like, a lore explanation for. Mitch, do you I'll know? I'll go into my thoughts here when you're done. Okay, okay, okay. Um, Although I will say that uh, an indestructible Sauron blocked me one time and then it had to be sacrificed. And I was like, I don't know what the theme is here, but I like it. <laughs> it was cool. <laughs> it was cool that it happened. I mean, but I guess it's just like, I don't know, maybe that's the like invisibility thing you like. Uh, no, it doesn't really make sense either. I don't really know that. Um, but then when they deal damage, the fourth one is when they deal damage to the opponent, then the every opponent loses three life, which is sort of the, the punishment or something, I guess. I don't know, for the, the completion of the task. It's the the reward for completing the task or something. It's getting getting in there. Um, so 
I'll, I guess I want you to give your thoughts, but let me just finish with, by just really, uh, glossing over a couple things, which is that, um, they had tried mechanics that were like punishing you for putting the ring on the temptation is hurting you and everything. And, and we, we have design articles where we talk about how they just weren't fun. Players didn't like them. And what the ring tempts you mechanic does in the game is instead provides, uh, really necessary things for making limited work on the one hand, like having played a bunch of sealed deck with this now, um, the drawn discard is like the blood tokens in Crimson Vow. It's a critical mechanic that just lets you keep things flowing. It fits into other mechanics in the set, which are like, if you control a legendary thing, the ring makes you legendary. It fits into, if you, if you draw your second card in a turn, there's a bunch of cards that do that. And it lets you do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, I found that, uh, mechanically having that creature with skulk can't be blocked by things with higher power creates really interesting scenarios when you put it on something with higher power. And then they want to try and kill that thing. So they're like, okay, I guess I'm going to double block. And then suddenly cards like you cannot pass, which are like destroy a thing blocking a legendary creature are like crazy, crazy combat tricks, really powerful. Um, And so the whole, the mechanic just fits everything together, makes everything flow. And I think it's an awesome mechanic play-wise for sure. Um, Yeah. Mitch, what do you think of it? All right, let's start at the top. The overworking theme of this. I think from what they were able to do, what they could do, they did a great job. Um, again, designing a, a mechanical list that would give you detriments that you need to do it or use it is just not good for the player using the cards. So they did the right thing here. I think the idea is like for the ring bearer themselves, they're thinking like, oh, this is all great for me. The ring is tempting me. So the ring is promising me things and giving me power and abilities like oh this is wonderful right they don't see the 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 flaw right that's the whole point is that the fellowship had to be there to keep frodo in line <laughs> right yes, exactly uh so that's my over everything like, yeah it's great for the ring bear the ring bear loves it tons of cool things um we'll go over like how they did the one ring itself later yeah but as far as like this great you're tempted by power and you get power which is the whole idea of Sauron making the rings for people in the first place. Yep. Um, Becoming legendary. Yep. You're carrying the ring. You're the ring bearer. Any lowly hobbit or foot soldiers carrying the ring, they're suddenly important. Legendary. Works great. Yeah. Drawing, when to attack, adventuring. Love it. Great flavor. You're going out. You're fulfilling the quest. You get to see more things, see more surroundings, drama cards. Um, The blocking one. You're right. It's a little weird, a little bit of a stretch. <laughs> I the best thing I think is like you put the ring on, you're invisible, you can kill whatever's in front of you. Sure. Okay. Or if you really want to stretch, people around the ring bearer die. They just meet bad ends, whether they're friends or foes. Okay. All right. That's, that's an interesting. That's my take. reach for it. Yeah. Sure. Um, and then again, um, doing the three life, it's just you've established the power of the ring and now you're able to use that power or finish your quest to get destructive forces on your enemies or get the reward for completing the journey, whichever you want to look at it. If you're good or evil with the ring, I guess, I guess that's one thing, right? That That's a really good point is that I think a lot of people look at the ring times you mechanic and wonder why it isn't bad for you, but That's, that's, uh, there's, there's two ways that you can use the ring, right? It's like, you don't, it's like, (laughs) yeah, it corrupts you, but the corruption is power. Yeah. And the point, the point of the, the point of the novel was just that 
we have our moral compass where we look at that and go, okay, well, that would be bad. I don't want corrupt power, right? But for this, for the ring itself, it's it's not a bad thing that it's giving you power inherently. It's how how it's used. And so, yeah, I mean, like, you got to think about the bad thing comes in. Okay. So when you have the ring, right, and you wear it, Sauron knows who you are. He sees your presence and whatnot. If you're the ring bearer, you are going to die or be the target of your opponent's removal. Mm -hmm. That's where the bad thing is. This random hobbit or this random foot soldier is now going to die. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. That's exactly. That's That's the burden. That's the burden. That's the burden. Now, if I mean, I, a lot of people were looking for really, I think, really written on the card, direct, like, you know, you lose one life or whatever. Okay, but like they cover that. That's the thing. The thing about this set, the thing about Lord of the Rings that I think is really cool. The the reason why I think it's wonderful that they made an entire set of this. Number one, because I mean, like that's very Tolkien esque of them is just to get down to every little branch and make a make a story about it. Um, but this in this entire set they were because of the amount of cards they were able to cover the theme you were looking for for whatever in something somewhere so in the one ring we have the one ring card which you are going to draw more cards every turn and lose more life every turn it's you're gaining power at the cost of of corruption right um you have the call of the ring card which uh which i've had in sealed and is very very good <laughs> by the way, um, and sealed, uh, which tempts you every turn, uh, upgrading your ring power. Um, you have a bunch of things that trigger when you're tempted in this set, by the way, which is really cool with that. Um, and then including that card itself, which is whenever you're tempted, you can lose two life to draw a card. You have a bunch of food in your set, in the set that lets you gain some life back, uh, to buffer that life loss a little bit. Um, and I found just like, I've been impressed with even sealed deck with how some of my decks have kind of just like glued together and been like, wow, like this is like a little machine it's working. And it really, like a lot of the time comes down to that, that tempting mechanic, um, mm -hmm. of just having, having access to the skulk and the legendary creature and the card draw and everything. It's, um, you don't always get to three or four temps in sealed, um, the current deck I, I'm playing right now in Arena, you do, for sure. <laughs> and it's awesome. I love it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just like, with the breadth of the set, the theme is so strong. There are, how many Gandalfs are there again? There's like seven, five, four, five, four, right? uh, oh man, maybe, maybe a seven's wrong, but like, um, this won't be hard. Gandalf. There are six, no, there are five Gandalfs and one Gandalf sorcery, Gandalf sanction. There's a blue Gandalf, a blue-red Gandalf, a white Gandalf, a green-blue Gandalf, and another white Gandalf. <laughs> um, and that's that's so cool, because with every character, there are so many parts of that character to try and get into. The, the lore is just so rich that it would be very difficult to make a single Gandalf and make this... That's Gandalf, you know? Because then you'd be like, well, yeah. what about this? What about that? What about this thing he did? You know? Yeah. They did a great job exploring different characters at different parts of the journey and making them into memorable moments for cards. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the one ring, Mitch. Yes, the one ring. Yes. Let's talk about, there's two one ring things to talk about other than the, the lore, which we already went to. Um, there is the one ring and then there is the one of one ring, 
right? So for anyone who isn't familiar with what's going on, and in that case, um, I'm I'm very happy to be able to explain what's going on to you. Um, I'm surprised that you don't know about it, but I'm happy. Um, the One of One Ring. In The Lord of the Rings, Tales of Middle-Earth, they printed a single card, which is a serialized card, meaning it has a number, it's numbered on it and, and has a limited print run. And that limited print run is a size of one. And the One of One Ring is one of one. There's one of it in the world somewhere right now. It is in a collector's booster or in someone's hands who hasn't told anybody yet, which would be the correct call if you open it. Yes. Same as win the lottery. Just keep it secret. Keep it secret. Keep it safe. But we, the theme, by the way, is incredible. Yes. If you get, if you actually get your hands on the one ring, you should not tell anybody and you should immediately hop on a flight to a an authentication service mm-hmm. so go on your adventure fly to mount doom ignore the nazgul try try and evade them um uh, and and get it graded and then find the the appropriate way to offload it to get a lot of money yeah, and change I your would, life i would probably start off first by bringing it maybe to wizards by itself Yep. have them authenticated for you yep. and then get it graded and i think that's fair i think that's a, that's a reasonable option is to contact wizards and be like i have the one of one ring I, re- I really do. And uh, I need to, I want to make sure that this is seen as completely authentic. So what can yeah, I do? There's going to be so many flutter around that are fakes. Right. Um, and if you get them graded, well, now if it's fake or real, it's in this graded slab now. It's like, oh, I, it's real. I can't check. I have to break the slab. And... I think the first thing you do if you open the one-on-one ring is a bend test. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that's the one. The bent test. Uh, okay, maybe it's don't. Already do... be bent. It, 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 it comes pre-bent for you. Don't it's, it's already wrinkled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, that could be true. Uh, um, yeah. So it, in the video where they showed it off, it was starting to pringle in the video. Yeah. Um, it's that's that's unfortunate, uh, but funny. Um, yeah. So this is obviously a crazy thing, and there are currently. Um, they're currently offers for over $2 million on this thing. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I'm not giving financial advice for what to do if you get the one ring, but I am just telling you to get it authenticated and keep it, keep it safe. Um, and if you're listening to this podcast, I'm gonna be honest, you're probably not going to open it as odds are not in our favor. So it probably doesn't matter too much, but if you do, Hey, that'd be crazy. That'd be cool. (laughs) Um, congratulations. Um, if I got it, I'll get it great authenticated. And then I'd probably call up post Malone. That's, that is also what I would, after I get it authenticated, um, I think that would be really cool is to just be like, yo, Posty, like, let's make a deal here, bud. Anybody's going to want it that I want to give it to, it's going to be Post Malone. I, I like, I'm not even a fan of his music necessarily. I mean, no, like, I think it's I like, like either, fine or whatever. But yeah. He seems like a cool guy. So <laughs> I don't, whatever. I'd be he, like, he plays magic. It's great. Yeah. He's, he seems it. And like, I'm sure you'd get to go hang out with him and like get backstage or whatever. Like you could, I'm sure he would make it a field day for you. Yeah. I think you'd have a, I think that would be like a life experience that would be worth mm-hmm. having in addition to him probably paying millions of dollars for it. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. I think that I think good too. I think it would be that like doing something like that. I think would be like the way to go. Um, like if, you get to play a commander game with Post Malone, that'd be pretty fun. Yeah, yeah, sure. I'd invite Posty to come, uh, come, come, hop on the main deck channel. Let's do this, bud. <laughs> hey, there we go. I'm sure. I'm sure you can talk to him with, with the rig. Hey, it'll tempt him. Yay! Yeah, would have definitely tempt him. 
Um, yeah, so what does impact us with the One Ring, the things that we can dream about, the scenarios, that would never happen. But what does impact us is the fact that um, collector booster boxes are 400 to $500 because of this, um, yep. it, only in collector packs. And um, prices for singles are crashing <laughs> everywhere yeah. because collector boosters are getting ripped open like none other, even at the $500 price tag. It's going nuts. People are just trying to trying to find things. Yeah. Um, People are just playing the lottery at this point. It's all it is. There are a number of very good cards in the set. If you're a commander player, um, there are certainly some, I think some cards that are going to get seen, see play in modern as well. Um, but commander, I think, I think has a lot of spicy stuff. If you like Lord of the Rings, you're going to have no trouble finding a, a, a creature to build a deck around. Um, I think, cause there's just tons of cool options. So many good ones. And they're, the price tag on them is not bad. Except we, no. Mitch and I, Mitch and I, before we started recording this, we sat down. We we looked real quick at the prices of everything just to like confirm what we were pretty sure was happening. And yeah, prices on everything are going down except for some reason, the One Ring, not the One of One Ring, but the One Ring, just the normal One Ring card. Um, and the weird thing about this is that the the One Ring card is a guaranteed card to when you buy the bundle, the the fat pack as it used to be called. Um, and it's like a $50 card. <laughs> yeah. Which is insane. Cause you just buy the fat pack and you get it. Plus all these extra packs. Yeah. It's so it's like, I don't quite in all my years, you know, I've like when something like this happens, I still can't quite understand why this is happening because where the price is only there because of the demand, the demand has to be there. Like if we look at the TCG player sales, for this thing, um, the one ring, I'm typing it in here. So I, I guess that's the one thing I didn't do is I, I click, let me click on extended, uh, not extended, sorry, borderless foils for yeah. this card. Try and find like the one from the bundle and see. Um, yeah, that's that's what I have to, here it is. The, the, here's the bundle one. So the bundle foils are still going right now. The lowest price is forty three ninety six, um, which to be fair, the the extended art have crashed since uh, their pre orders because I feel bad for anyone who pre ordered at one hundred fifty dollars because it was just oh. in the bundle as a guaranteed card. But the latest sales forty. Look at here's a forty five uh, fifty forty four. These all happened today. Uh, forty eight yeah. forty eight. 4569 that's funny uh 454499 up like they've sold 1 5 6 7 8 9 10 11 12 13 17 21 22 this is the counting podcast 23 24 <laughs> they've sold more than 30 foil borderless rings today 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 and so it's in the bundle <laughs> In the bundle, like the what? The bundle is sixty bucks. The bundle is is higher than MSRP. Most places are going to sell it for higher than MSRP right now because of the ring being in it. But you could go on TCG Player and buy the bundle, uh, Tails bundle. You can buy the bundle right now. Uh, what sixty five seventy then for seventy at TCG Player? Which you know again, so it's like it's higher, but um, it's it's just weird. Like 
these bundles should be getting cracked open and the ring should be flooding the market. And that's not the only version of the ring. If you, if you want the ring, you can buy, you can buy the regular, you can buy the extended, you can buy the regular foil. You can, what it, like you can buy the one of one ring. If you want the ring that only going to run you a few million. That's fine. Drop a bucket. Don't worry about it. It's, it's just interesting to me. It's interesting to me that that's, that that's happening. Yeah, like that card is holding the most value in the set. Yeah. I don't get yeah, it's the most thematic card or like the most iconic card. Sure. I think it's smart but. that they put the one of the one ring in a bundle because that's the thing like, yeah, like you said, that's the most thematic card. That's kind of the most exciting card of the set. And it's not the most powerful card in the set necessarily. It's a good card. I think it's a good card. Like, I think it's going to demand a high price because commander players will love it. It's just a constant card draw. It's, I, you know, okay, so let me, my commander take on it. It's like, I think it's a good card. I think that your deck needs to care about playing an artifact in some way to like care about playing your turn four card draw thing and doing nothing else, you know, and like in with, with your four, like once you start getting to four mana. Uh, that starts to be where like that's starting to get too expensive for like setup cards, and that's where you need to start be playing things that are like starting to do your strategy, generally. Yeah, but also think of it and like if you're able to bounce and recast every turn. Yes, th- so that's what I'm saying, right? It's like you, you you won't be able to die. Your deck needs to do that. Like, your deck needs yeah. to be able to do something like that. So I don't I don't think this is I don't I haven't put this in any of my decks yet because I don't have a deck right now that feels like it can take advantage of that properly. Um, and exile, it's an indestructible artifact, obviously, but exiling artifacts is a pretty common thing in Commander 2. Um, if you haven't been playing anyone playing white. And now red. Now red was now given red. one because, the, the, the of course, they had to make the card that throws the ring into Mount Doom uh, exile it because yeah. otherwise it would have been a very fla- a very big flavor miss to be like I can't <laughs> cast so the ring bad. into Mount Doom because it's indestructible. <laughs> um, so uh, it's it's not even yeah I don't know it's like it's reasonably easy to get rid of. Um, it's it's yeah you know, it will last probably a few turns sometimes, um, but if you can bounce it, that's obviously like then it gets then it's an easy shoe in card. But I don't think it's a commander staple. I don't think it's a deck that every commander deck runs. Do you feel like? I think it's gonna be a little more ubiquitous than you are giving it credit for, but I don't think yeah, I don't think it's a staple. No. Okay. Yeah. If you can't bounce it or do something like that, it's just gonna be draw a card every turn, or maybe if you want to go two and lose two every turn to draw two. It's yeah. You have to tap to put a counter, and then you draw some cards, right? Yes. But you, you lose one life for each burden counter on it. I mean... And you lose life no matter what. So even if you do it just one time for one card, you lose a life every turn. Right. So, right. so if you don't have a way to like reset the counters or flicker, then I think it's going might, might, to... It might just kill you. Right. I think, I think the one thing about this is that... Um, so commander games can easily get into a position where there is a, an arch enemy which the whole table then goes out to defeat. And if your one ring is not being answered and you're putting burden counters on it and drawing cards, um, then you're going to very quickly become the arch enemy. And the one ring is actively hurting you um, With at, at the same time that you have 
I mean, you're drawing a lot of cards, but three players are also drawing cards and fighting you. Um, so it, it, ver- I mean, the theme here, the theme here, right? Is like, the theme is great. Every, everybody is suddenly after you. Um, but I think because of the politics of the situation and because of, of how like, yes, this card says you can draw a million cards. And as long as you can just mitigate that life loss, it's no big deal. Um, so that would make you think, well, man, I should slam that in my deck, but, but I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure it will work out for you because of the politics of the table. Um, yeah. But I think in like CEDH, I could see it being a thing. Sure. Um, I am not a CEDH player, so I don't have a good analysis of CEDH stuff. Um, I very minimally dab in to see what's going on in it, but I do not play CEDH decks. Okay. It's, it's not fun. I'm not playing Commander to do that kind of thing. Right, right. Yeah, I, I also don't enjoy that style of play specifically. Um, I enjoy uh, I enjoy just different, a little more casual, a little more casual based. That's the easiest way to put it. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, I, you know, it's still a good card. I'm not saying it's a bad card. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Um, and maybe I'm wrong and should find a deck that to, to slot it into, but, um, there's so many other cards in the set that I'm already slot. Like this was my, I already made my purchase because I was like, you know, I know cards are going down, but I just, I want to get my things and have them for Gen Con. I just wanted, I don't want to be like waiting or anything. Um, and this was the biggest, just by number of cards, the biggest card purchase I've made for deck updates uh, in years. In, since I kind of started rebuilding Commander decks and, and building them again, um, I have I have a white I have a white red Legendaries Matter deck. Um, so oh, this that was great for that. Yep, I got a bunch of stuff from that. <laughs> um, I spiteful banditry. I built a Tom Bombadil deck because I love Tom Bombadil. So I'm excited to see that deck play. Um, yeah, like that obviously. Needed a bunch of stuff, has some cool new sagas to play. Uh, Goldberry's awesome in there, all sorts of... Yeah, it's a really good job with that deck, with the theme and everything. Um, and just... I just found... I just kept finding a bunch of just random cards that I thought worked really well in various various legendary... Because that's the thing, is like when you make a set full of legendary creatures, they tend to be a little bit more powerful than just like generic cards. Um, mm-hmm. So even like commons, uncommons... Or not, they're not common legendary creatures, but uncommon legendary creatures sometimes fit the bill for certain things. So like I have like a, I have some random, I just some random decks. I have some like hobbits that do certain things that they fit into nicely. So did you build any decks with this set, Mitch? Or are you building them? I am building some. I'm looking at Shelob and Treebeard. Treebeard is so cool. I think Treebeard is insanely cool. Treebeard's going to one shot some people. It's going to be amazing yeah i think we were talking about this actually i remember now you you, you sent me beacon of immortality and i said mm-hmm. wow i forgot that card's an instant <laughs> uh because treebeard says whenever you gain life you put that many counters plus one plus one counters on a uh halfling or tree folk you control um and so beacon of immortality doubles your life total at instant speed and then shuffles back into your deck <laughs> uh so yeah you slam in with your uh with your your army of hobbits or whatever and one of them gets through and it's like surprise you lose or just tree beard you put on tree beard he's got trample like boom you got trample and you just do commander damage i don't care how much health you have yep uh but it's it's cool you have options too you can just swing all out with other things too and like 
Yes, like who's gonna get it? Who's gonna get it? Yep. I don't know. Uh, that's I think that's There's super a lot super of fun. Instant speed life gain that's usually overlooked, but in this deck's be pretty pretty good. Yeah. Yep. And I love that. That's what I love. That's actually that right there is exactly what I love about Commander in general. The thing that entices me to play it primarily as my, my primary magic experience is because the setup of Commander and with like commanders that you can build around uh, creates archetypes of decks that you don't typically get to see in other formats Mm -hmm. and play and you get to play cards that you don't typically get to play. And it creates that variable experience that I really, really, really value and enjoy. Um, And like, that's a perfect example. Like when are you going to play beacon of immortality ever? Elder Griff. Well, other than you're dumb. Well, I mean, that's another commander deck, but like, yeah, your ridiculous group hug deck. Is that target player, double target players life total? Yep. Target player. And the, and the blue beacon is target player next turn. (laughs) That's so yeah. That's so stupid. <laughs> Target player. Oh my god. Um, and yeah, you like Shelob too, right? Is that what you, is that what you said? Yes, Shelob's a lot of fun. Shelob gets to uh, when spiders deal damage to things, you get to make a copy of the thing that died. Um, and as a food token, as a food token, which is very similar to an arena deck I was trying to play, a historic brawl I was trying to make. Uh, would you a guy named Rezug or something who? Um, let you reanimate creatures from your graveyard as artifacts and not creatures. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it's very similar to that. Uh, but in that deck I got to, uh, you know, I was, I was just trying to, I played a bunch of just really silly things that had like black cards with constant effects that if they got to sit out as an artifact, they were harder to answer. Um, so you'd play things like uh, you could play dark confidant. It's that's a, as a, an easy example. Um, and it gets out there and it's just, now it's just like, a it's a Phyrexian arena kind of for me in a way, um, that you can lose a lot of life to, uh, but you could, you could do really fun things like, um, uh, there's some demons, there's some really big demons that have like, Oh yeah. Uh, lose a life draw card tacked on like Grizzlebrand kind of does. Um, but he's not playable in that. Um, but I don't know all these things that are like just have constant effects or massacre worm. That's a great example. Put a massacre worm out there as an mm-hmm. artifact. Now, anytime your stuff dies, you lose two life and it's hard to answer. Um, so that was just kind of the idea of the deck is like putting out fun, constant effects. And it's not a very good brawl deck, but the Shelob um, will probably be better because you get to play green also. And green's very good. Yes. I'm probably not going to finish that one because of how high certain cards skyrocketed in price. Arachnogenesis Arachnogen skyrocketed. Like 80 now. Yeah. It's it's something crazy. They reprinted already. Yeah, that's that card is just in need of a reprint very badly. Um, you, you can get one right now, moderately played for forty seven dollars. Maybe you should build it. Ooh, maybe it's a, it's on a discount. Forty seven dollars. I think I'm still on Treebeard for the moment, though. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I know I've been I've been pushing our local group to build Lord of the Rings commander decks because I just for fun I want to have all Lord of the Rings tables. Um, also because I think it's like you get some really funny tables. I've been really hoping someone would build, build the, build the pony. So you can have your, like your, your epic showdown of like Sauron, Gandalf, Saruman, and build a pony. <laughs> Just sounds fun. Um, have you played a lot of sealed Mitch? Um, of Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Um, I did one event with this. Yeah. And you did the two-headed giant with it, right? I did two-headed giant and some arena ones, yeah. Um, our two-headed giant experience was really fun. 
I loved, I thought the set was really fun and sealed. Uh, so we, we sat down and started looking at our pools. Our pools were, see, at first we were like, our pools are terrible. This is like, this is going to be awful. Um, we three owed the event. Uh, so, uh, our pools had two mines of Moria as well as I think two other, a Rivendell and like, I think maybe one other land, a Mount Doom maybe. No, I don't think we had Mount wow. Doom. I Mount Doom, I think was fine. Um, but we had, we had a bunch of lands that were just like bad, like not useful to play. Um, unless you had a very specific pool. Uh, and we had some other, just like, I don't know, just like our red, our red pool had, I think one card that dealt damage to a creature. I think one <laughs> out of two sealed kits. One? Yep. There's so many good removal though. Yep. Uh, so yeah, we were looking at this pool at first. We were like digging through everything. Like there's just like, isn't anything here. And we're like trying to put some decks together. Um, we had a blue white sort of, that looked like we had some blue white synergy. We had like a couple Eagles and stuff. And we're just trying to figure that out. Uh, Faramir, that guy was dope. One of the Faramirs. Faramir's great. Yeah. He was um, so good. Not the rare Faramir. That was, that's insane. Oh, yeah. But the, the uncommon the one, uncommon one yeah. yeah, the, the uncommon one. one, whenever the ring tempts you, you make a soldier. And, um, something else. He does something else. That's good. Yeah, as long as he's at your ring bearer, he makes the soldier. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and my, and, and my partner Randall was building a green black deck. Cause we had a couple copies. One of our few things that did anything was a couple copies of the green black spell. That is each player sacks a creature. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, we also had a rare Rangers of Athelion, which is take control of a creature. So we were able to set up some like kind of set up some cool plays with that card, uh, which did come up during the event also. Um, but about halfway through deck building, I was just like trying to figure out what's good here. And I reread the the Ring Temps you card because this is right. Like I didn't look too deep into it. And I'm looking through it and I'm like, wait a second, Randy, this says each opponent loses three life. Sure does. It says each opponent. And suddenly we're like, okay, hang on, pivot, pivot. Every single card that says the ring tempts you. Slam, 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 slam. I'm playing, I'm playing um multiple copies of birthday escape, draw card, ring tempts you. Card was insane. Like so yeah, God, like, yeah, yeah. so good. I couldn't believe how good that was. Um and that was uh, good in regular seal too. Yeah, I I mean I yeah, and but I feel that way about like regular sealed too. You probably want to prioritize the ring tempts you as much as you can. It's like it's actually that is not added text. Like a mass yeah. one, a mass one is kind of added text sometimes. Um the ring tempts you is like the value of the card, <laughs> I feel like. My deck was really bad at the ring tempts. I I think I had a few cards that did it. I got to three once. Yep. Yeah, that, I mean, you you just want it, you want to have a critical mass of it to make it work. Yeah. And in two headed giant, we got to four every single game for sure. Um, we have two rings, two. So we yep. and we're both we were both jamming tons of tempt effects. Um, creature any creature that came into play and tempts you, auto include easy in that format. It was like so simple, just jam that in, and um, we surprised some opponents when we attacked, and they're like. And they're like, okay, uh, I guess we won't block the ring bearer, block these, like, okay, And then you lose six life. And they're like, wait, why? You're like, because you each lose three life. <laughs> um, and Don't forget, yep, each player. Each, each opponent, each opponent, yep. So uh, 
Yeah, we, you know, and obviously if anyone, by the way, just so anyone knows, we're not like sharks. If anyone's like, if anyone's like, what does that do? Like, well, each opponent loses three life, um, you know, but uh, also we're trying to win the game. So we're not going to sit there and be like, okay, now if you let us tempt this four times, we're going <laughs> to, you know, like, you know. Well, yeah. Yeah. So there's a, there's a, there's a middle ground there, which is the one we take, which is we, we correctly answer all questions. And, but yeah, you gotta, you know, you gotta know what the cards, <laughs> what the cards do and we tell you what they do. So, um, so we had really, really good games. Uh, we got to play against some good friends of ours and we got to play against some new people. Uh, our, our last round, unfortunately we had, we were two and O going into round three and our last round was a, a pair of new players who had won their first round against, I think, against other new players. And then their second round, because they were new, they took a while to play. So they went to time and they tied. They they drew second round and they got paired up against us. And, oh, no. and it was like, we started the round like we're, you know, making sure everything's really fun, very welcoming for them. I said, look, I used to be a judge for the game. And if you have any questions we're going, just let me know. I'm happy to answer anything for you. I want to make sure that you have a good experience playing this. And we won without ever losing a single life point. It was just like, (laughs) you know, it was just, it was just a, it was, um, not in the, not in the way that's like really toxic. It was a skill difference. Like it was just the fact that like we were correctly playing things, correctly responding to things. They were, they were main phase dropping Gandalf the white and, and just like not doing anything after that. And just like, you know, it was just like all sorts of little things that just add up to us. Like our decks were built to control the game and then get to yeah. get to four temps and kill you. Um, and so we did that, <laughs> you know, did it really well, apparently. Yep. Yep. Um, whereas our other games were razor's edge close, like, like unbelievably, like came coming down to in both cases, I think the opponents making a mistake um causing them and and i don't know how you guys feel how the listeners feel about this but uh, let me know in the comments actually how you feel about this but i feel like i would much rather lose a game to making a play mistake than to random chance um i think that's i think there's going to be different opinions on that actually so i'd love to hear in the comments what you guys think if you also that would let me know you got to this far in the podcast congratulations um but i would rather lose to myself making a play mistake than random chance because if I made a play mistake, it meant that I it's something I get to learn from. I, it's something I get to do differently in the future, and it meant that I have the potential to win that game in if I if I get better and improve. And I and I like that aspect of it. If I lose to uh, my opponent, drew the nuts, and I drew nothing, and I just got dunked before I could do anything. Mitch playing playing my hero a few weeks ago, um, that does not feel good to me. That's I would I would rather just screw up, you know. I, I understand the thought process. I'm in the opposite camp. I would much rather lose just variance happening than mistakes. Because my problem is if I make a mistake, I'm going to beat myself up for it. Be like, I should have done this differently. What was I thinking? I get it in my own head. So I'd much rather. Okay. Like, All right. I did what I could do. Sometimes you just were meant to win. That's, that's any card game that's going to be variance. You can't control it. You can try as much as you can with your play patterns, but. Yeah, I mean, I I see that as well, which is why I think it's it's interesting. I want to hear from I want to hear what the audience idea. like, what the audience both, thinks of that. They're both correct. It's just just depends upon your mindset. Yeah, I I think I don't beat myself up too badly about it. Really, um, I also don't make 
mistakes. So it's, you know, I never have to beat myself up. (laughs) I I definitely do do that too much. I shouldn't do it, but I do. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's, uh, that can be a hard thing. That can be something that may be a subject of an interesting podcast in the future is talking about, about that mentality and how to, how to break out of it or something, something we should think about. But I think at this point, Mitch, do you have any other Lord of the Rings bits to add? Anything you want to talk about with this set? Um, so how about those Nazguls? Oh yeah. We didn't talk about, yeah, the Nazgul, you can, um, amazing flavor card. You can run nine of them. They work really well together. They tempt you. They do all the cool stuff. Um, wow. The price is crazy on them now. Right. For uncommons. Like, Oh my, there's, there has to be tons of them being opened. I, no way. they're what's okay. So the, the thing that's tricky about them though, is that, um, the nine different arts, there's nine different arts of them. People want to collect one of each art, uh, often. And, um, they are just in the, you know, the same frequency as any other like foil, uncommon any individual card i think and well, even the non-foil ones just the regular is going for like ten dollars i opened only one non-foil well actually i can answer that one because collector's boosters are probably being opened massively more than regular ones and the actually didn't they didn't they say that the nazgul art the nazgul art shows up in the collector booster in the showcase spot um I don't remember. I believe it does. I believe so. I believe the Nazgul take a showcase spot in in uh, in packs of any kind in collectors and set boosters, meaning that you can get them in collectors boosters. But I think getting any of the nine, if I remember right, and maybe uh, comments can correct me if I'm wrong, um, getting any of the Nazgul, getting just a Nazgul is the same frequency as any other showcase card. It's meaning you're not nine times as likely to get one because there's nine of them. You are. Which means that any individual one is nine times rarer, actually, if you're looking for a particular one. I guess that's fair. I thought they'd just be like in the in the front of the packs in the common and uncommon slots and there's the foils and the clicker packs. But if they're in the showcase only, that would be I I believe that's what's going on with them. Yeah, I, I believe it. Uh, this this is this is another subject actually. It's a it's a it's a complicated thing, the keeping track of magic's showcase arts and everything. Um and one interesting thing on that note that we're seeing in Lord of the Rings 2 is that they flipped around how they were doing some extended foils this set. So if you're one who liked to chase the extended foils in previous sets, which I was, I would always buy extended foil everything. Um, now, so previous to this, if you bought, uh, you you if you wanted a, an extended foil of a commander, like headlining creature, so like urza the three color urza and the brothers war or whatever you know you wanted if you wanted that creature in extended foil um i think that was available at this point they keep changing when they do it also but you could only get it in the sample collector boosters which came in the commander decks themselves yep okay now in lord of the rings they flipped it around you can get those those commander extended foils in regular collector boosters. If you want an extended foil of a regular card from the booster set and not, not showcase, not borderless, not any of that stuff extended. So they're just, they aren't slightly extended on the sides. Those are only available in the sample collectors packs out of a giant pool of like every single one. So those cards are now going for minimum, like 150 bucks for like dumb cards. It's crazy. (laughs) It's, it's uh yeah i it's unbelievable palantir of orthanc i think i saw people asking for 254 extended foil or something oh my god 
I, I, that was one I was going to get extended foil. You know what? I opened a, an extended non-foil. I'm just putting that in. That's good enough. Good <laughs> enough. It's <laughs> That'll What's, do. What what really bothers me with the Nazgul is they're all in numerical order except for one. So it goes from 332 to like 339. One of them is just number 100. That's why. That's what we're talking about, though. That's the regular one, I think. And then the others are like the showcase. But that's not even the cheapest one. <laughs> well... But if, yeah, I don't know if you can get that one in regular packs in like the regular slot. But like the, what I was going to say is that collector boosters, I think, are opened massively more right now than oh, yeah, for sure. other boosters. So that might be causing an imbalance in some of that stuff, too. That's fair. Forget that was insane that the top five most expensive cards, three of them are Nazgul's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really too bad. We had a friend we were like really pumping up to build a Sauron deck with nine Nazgul. And then... Uh, sorry you didn't pre-order them. <laughs> Damn. Yep. They're expensive now. Um, uh, but yeah, overall, I, I love Lord of the Rings. I think the set is really fun. Um, really exciting. I can't wait to jam some of these, like jam my Tom Bombadil deck and play against other decks. I'm so, like, I am tempted to build Sauron. I'm tempted to build Saruman. I'm tempted to build Gandalf. I'm tempted to build, uh, um, Radagast. Radagast looks Radagast. cool. Like there's so many. I think uh, Arwen. Oh, there's that. There's that Aragorn with the the monarch thing from the commander deck. That I really love really that cool. one. The oh. four color Aragorn. I actually have a list for. I'm not going to build it because it's very degenerate. But <laughs> that card is that card's insane. By the way, <laughs> you can do some dumb stuff with that deck. Um, yeah, I gotta go make myself a build a pony deck real quick now. Make a build a pony deck. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's a it's a fun set. It's a really fun set. If you are if you like Lord of the Rings, um, I think snagging one of these commander decks is not a bad idea. Just like just go buy one of the, buy the Aragorn one, whatever is off the shelf, um, and you might open a two hundred fifty dollar Palantir Vorthank in your sample pack. So it's <laughs> it's worth baby. So, um, but yeah, I think I think it's a really fun set. Oh, the other cool thing I have to say this about it too because there's so much to talk about the set in those commander decks. Every single card has new art. Every single card has yes. has Lord of the Rings artwork on it, even reprinted cards. Um, and I love that. That is so cool. That's the thing that made the 40K decks so cool is that it was all 40K themed. And they did that again with the commander decks, even though they normally don't do that with uh, the booster set commander decks. But I, yeah. That's why I, I couldn't not pick up the commander decks because like they're, even if I never use the cards, this is a cool unique art worth it by itself. Yeah. I think, I, I mean, it's possible. Like I, if, if you're going to speculate on anything, the commander decks for the set are probably good specs because of the chance on the sample pack. Um, That's fair. And, and the fact that, you know, any IP thing, what Warhammer decks are already starting to skyrocket. Like Necron decks expensive now um, to get uh, not even just the collector's ones. The regular ones are, are getting expensive. Um, anything that's from another, another IP is harder to reprint. So there's some decent, if you're the investor type, there's some decent specs on here too. You probably won't hate yourself for picking up a commander deck. That's all I can say. Like, I don't think you're going to hate yourself for doing it. Um, if they're a decent pickup and you can play some fun, uh, some fun Lord of the Rings magic. Cards are really fun too. Yeah. Super fun. All right, Mitch. Well, um, we talked a lot more about my hero today than I thought we were going to. Um, we really did. I, Yeah. There's just a lot to talk about, I guess. But then uh, plenty about Lord of the Rings. Any last hits for our community? Um, No, I think we did a great job covering what we want to cover. All right. Mitch said we did a great job. A of... <laughs> you're going to have to you're going to have to agree or disagree. 
All right. Well, thank you. Uh, great. Great. I agree too. It was a fun podcast. All right. I got to get back to work. I got to get back to editing. So thank you guys so much for listening to another main deck podcast. I hope you enjoy this. I hope we didn't ramble too much for you. Let me know in the comments what you think. Always appreciate hearing from our audience. Do you like Lord of the Rings? Do you like losing games due to skill or losing games due to luck? Let me know your thoughts on those subjects down below. Have you been playing My Hero Academia? Do you like Undaunted Raid? I don't know. Any of the stuff. Go ahead, comment. I would love to talk with you. I get in the comments and I chat with everybody who comments on our, on our videos. So I would love to talk to you there. Thank you so much for listening again. Have a great one. We will see you in the very next episode of the Main Deck Podcast.